Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule. After watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there, and it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After Purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five-question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that, your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials, you can ask the presenter questions, and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. And then beyond that, inside of the... Um inside of the premiere version of this, uh, then you can also set up the other uh, users that you might need. You can start limiting their access to only AR, AP. You can say whether or not they should have access to payroll, so on and so forth. Now, when it comes to passwords for these people, um, 
I typically recommend and default to the password um, recommendations set forth by what's called NISIT, uh, the National Institute for Standards and Technology. And, you know, there's some general guidance and recommendations uh, from there. But I would tell you the password should be long and strong. Um, there's a direct correlation in a password's uh, strength with its length and complexity. So a longer password with more varied characters is going to be stronger than a password with few characters and not that complex. So I would tell you it's important that you put the you should put this uh, and, and set it as a strong password. Now, QuickBooks is an example of where a brute force attack could be possible. So um, of where the file itself can be cracked if given enough time. What I mean by this is like um, with normal like online services like QuickBooks or not QuickBooks, well, QuickBooks Online, um, Google, Microsoft, like you're only allowed so many attempts before it'll actually lock you out. Um, you know, where it'll, for example, like require you to reset the password and go through the email. You know, one of the issues with respect to QuickBooks desktop is the fact that it's an actual physical file. Like it is a physical file. This is this file. It physically sits on this hard drive. So it's susceptible to all different sorts of uh, security issues. You know, starting first and foremost with accidental deletion, ransomware, um, and more. You know, you absolutely want to make sure that you're backing up this file on a regular basis. But one of the other things is, is that this file can also be brute force attacked, meaning, you know, if I didn't know the password to this, given enough time and patience, I could type in a series of characters to let me get back into that file. I guarantee you, we've all had a client at some point in time, forget the password, and, you know, then you sit there and just try and try and try different attempts to ultimately get in. There are products that are out there, okay? Uh, one such product is called Passware, and Passware makes uh, password recovery tools for all different sorts of uh, applications, not just, uh, not just QuickBooks here, uh, that will attempt to decrypt that file. So uh, for this particular application, you download it, it, you know, costs a little bit of money, and it will attempt to decrypt it. Now, if you had a very simple password, like one, two, three, four, five, password, something like that, it's gonna decrypt it immediately. So what I mean by the password strength and complexity here is that if you put a strong complex password in here, yes, there are tools that will attempt to brute force it, but they won't be able to work. Because again, the password strength is directly related to its length and complexity. And as long as you take it seriously and use a strong password, you're gonna be good to go. Now, tools like QBO, you know, uh, Gmail, you know, Apple, they've got a whole bunch of other additional uh, can, uh, tools that kind of uh, are there to provide additional layers of security above and beyond just your ability. But like, remember, QBD doesn't have two-factor authentication. You know, the, there are a lot of really modern contemporary security practices that are present in almost every other application, but they're, they're not present here because again, it's limited to that desktop application. It's limited to that desktop environment. So just, just keep that in mind. Okay, and you can also create other types of users too. There's all different types of accounts that you can choose to set up here. Again, we got your external accountant as well uh, that can ultimately come in and can uh, uh, provide access inside of that QuickBooks file. And that's available both at the Pro and Premier level as well. Um, that external accountant user gets access to everything except for sensitive customer data like credit cards. Um, they also cannot, for example, go in and create user accounts, reset user accounts. They can, however, uh, change company preferences as well. Now, if you need a higher level of security, that's where the enterprise version of this does um, become, I think, a little bit more applicable. 
Oh, there's the, okay, it would come a little bit more applicable compared to its desktop counterpart because you can define these roles and at a very granular level, give access or limited access to specific places inside of, um, inside of uh, this tool. So for example, in the accounts receivable, I can give full access to certain things, but for example, remove access for refunds. And maybe I give that uh, useful um, to the accounting manager or the controller or to somebody else. Okay, so that's just something that you can choose to choose to do. All right, so now the next part of this uh, chapter is really kind of going through the preferences screens for getting started with respect to your QuickBooks desktop. Now, uh, I don't think anybody here wants me to go through every single option inside of the application because there are a ton of them, uh, but I will point out a couple ones that I think are particularly useful for you, okay? Now, where you are going to uh, go ahead and access this is gonna be up here into the edit section and preferences. And this is gonna be where you can access all of your preferences. Now, in almost every one of these sections, there's gonna be my preferences and then there's gonna be company preferences. My preferences relate to the current logged in user and company preferences will relate to the um, overall company. Now, so most of the meaty stuff is gonna be over here on the company. So like, for example, that closing date, this is gonna be set over here under that company preferences. Whether or not you use account numbers are gonna be um, in the company preferences. Uh, this one always blows my mind, require accounts. How in any stretch of the imagination would you ever, like how, that's the basis of accounting, but you can turn this off if you wanted to. Uh, whether or not you can post into a parent account or you have to post into the sub uh, accounts inside of it, okay? Now in the book that is provided as part of this uh, class, uh, I've got in exhaustive detail what virtually every single option um, inside of this application uh, can do and what all of these different preferences uh, might be and how you might wanna function uh, inside of them. Uh, big ones are gonna be up here in accounting uh, and then each of these different sections like your bills um, you know, or your payments or your reminders, they're all gonna have their own specific settings inside of this. Uh, one one I would point out, and there's actually a couple general. This is gonna be where you have like your general preferences like two digit year versus four digit year. Um, <clears throat> personally for me, I hate this beeping when a transaction occurs. This is where you can go ahead and turn that off as well. Um, you know, you can set all those different options listed. Now, the other one I wanted to point out to you, uh, a couple more that I wanna point out to you here is the integrated applications, which is this one. Okay, um, what is the integrated application? So if you happen to be using any third-party tool from QuickBooks Desktop, this is gonna be where you can go ahead and set those uh, options and whether or not they're able to access the file. Um, this is particularly helpful and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later on where you can utilize a tool called ODBC, Open Database Connectivity, that allows you to interact with your QuickBooks file like it's a database. Uh, I mean, it is a database ultimately, but it allows you to be able to query stuff like you would a SQL database. And it's actually really quite nice from a reporting uh, perspective. So um, when you go to access or authorize those different applications, this is gonna be where you would allow this. And you could allow these files to even access the company data, even if applications aren't running, which can be really useful if you wanted to pull this data out into a dashboard, or if you wanted to integrate this into uh, Microsoft Excel. So that would be where you would go ahead and set some of those different options listed here. And again, if you check out the, the book, 
uh, for each one of these sections, I've got what they do, how they function for payments and payroll employee preferences and reminders and, you know, what each one uh, will offer you. Okay, let's talk about uh, some of the settings inside of QBO. Oh, looks like QBO closed. Okay. All right, we are gonna access our QBO settings up here from the gear icon. From the gear icon, we're gonna go ahead and choose applications and settings. There are other settings in here too, like for example, your custom form styles. This is gonna be where you can customize, for example, the invoices and you know whether you include like a statement on the invoice or the messaging, like thank you for your business, okay? But <clears throat> when it comes down to like the actual like company settings. Those are going to be in one place and that's going to be under the gear icon and then account and settings. And then from here, this is going to be where you can actually modify uh, many of the specific settings related to how this company file operates. Okay. So this is going to be where you can set things like the company logo, the EIN, the social security number, the legal name. You can also set, for example, the tax form. So is it an 1120, a 1065, is it a C Corp, S Corp partnership? Your contact information, this gets pulled through, for example, to your invoices, your address. You can have a company, a couple of different addresses if need be. This is also where you can set your marketing preferences with Intuit. Okay, other things over here, you can see your usable uh, limits. So how many billable users, how big your chart of accounts is, how big your tag groups are. And then uh, really the other major media items are gonna be sales and um, expenses and advanced. Inside your sales, this will turn off and on different permissions and parameters in the uh, sales forms. So whether or not, for example, you show XYZ fields on an invoice or a PO. I will point out there's this thing called custom fields here. Like if you need to, for example, add additional custom fields to your invoice, maybe like a customer PO number, or maybe you need to add a location or something like that. And you need to just put and store additional information about your invoices uh, or other fields, other other types of forms as well, you can store those as custom fields. So this would be where you could turn off, for example, custom transaction numbers, whether or not you show discounts, deposits, tips, whether or not you want that whole tagging thing on or off, uh, whether or not you're going to have, you know, late fees, uh, pricing rules, whether or not you're going to have messages, online delivery, uh, you know, so for example, if you want to send this stuff as a summary or you want to send the details, do you want to include a PDF? Do you want to send this in rich format or simple format and more. And then likewise, uh, like you can come down here to advance and advance. I've found to often be one of the more useful of these menus. This is where you can adjust like your fiscal period, you know, whether it's calendar or fiscal, you can also set your default accounting method. Again, this is where you set your closing your books, uh, for your chart of accounts. One option I always turn on immediately is the account numbers. So I can just key that in. Fact that that's not on by default is crazy. Likewise, whether you not, you can turn on classes and locations. Uh, some automation stuff is set up here. Uh, one good gotcha that you should know, both with QuickBooks Online and Desktop, is this multi-currency. Okay, if you turn this on, okay, it's on forever. There's no way to actually turn this off. So just be aware, you can do stuff in multiple currency. Um, there are a lot of specific gotchas with respect to how multi-currency work and how, and how the currency translation works. 
Um, but this is where you can go ahead and you can set your home currency and it'll go ahead and translate those uh, items into their foreign currency into their home currency. Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention too on classes and locations. If this wasn't clear, uh, classes and locations are income statement items only. You cannot do a balance sheet by class or location, or at least a complete balance sheet by class and location. It will not tie. So when we use classes and locations in QuickBooks online, it really only applies to income statement levels. Uh, so just be aware of that. Balance sheet will always be for the entire entity. You can run a balance sheet by class. I'm telling you right now, it won't be right though. One other thing I will tell you here, and then we'll go ahead and, and take our afternoon break. <coughs> One other thing I'll tell you here is this option, sign me out if inactive for, okay? If you're like me, you'll typically get up, walk around, take in a client call, and then come back and then have to log back in again. I think I've logged in at least 20 times while I've been teaching this class. Okay, now granted, I'm in a sample file, so the rules are a little bit different, but you can adjust the sign out period to a longer period of time. So if QuickBooks is uh, you know, constantly logging you out, you can go ahead and set this to a maximum of three hours, and it will not log you out during that period of time. Kind of cool. Okay. Now, one extra thing that you can do, and I don't want to really kind of harp on this because it only applies to the super premier version of QBO, is that you can use what is called, um, let me switch back over here to my practice. You can use what is called the QuickBooks Online Advanced App. Okay. And what this is, I'll bring this up here in a moment, and I'll also tell you why I don't really particularly care for it either. This is a feature that's only available for QBOA and it's only available for online advanced users. If you come up here in your QBOA account or online advanced account and you click up top, there's this option here that says get the desktop app, okay? What this will do is it will download what's called a thin client application to your computer that will allow you to interact with QBO like it is a desktop application. So we'll install it real quick so you can see what this looks like. And the thing with thin clients is that um, they're not a full application. They're basically just a, a lightweight application um, that will allow you to be able to interact with this particular service like it is a local, like a local app, um, but it still very, very much requires uh, access to the internet. It will not work offline as an example. Now, the benefit of this is, is that from a sign-in, sign-out perspective, it's going to keep you signed in longer. Um, and it also makes things like printing and multi-screen access uh, a little bit better. And for a lot of people that have a lot of legitimate complaints about QBO, and frankly, I, I totally get it, um, this would hopefully alleviate the, some of those concerns and allow you to be able to interact with this application like it was uh, a normal desktop application, okay? All right, so this is what it looks like. We've installed it, okay? And it looks identical. This uh, will put a icon on your screen for that QuickBooks Online Advance, and then you can act and interact with it like it is a uh, enable a, a normal app inside your inside your computer. Okay, the reason I don't like this, and frankly, I mean, it's identical to the web version, so it just seems like it's really kind of unneeded. There's nothing you can do in this version that you can't do in the online version, except, again, it does make printing a little bit easier, and it does make um, 
uh, it does make uh, um, accessing the file a little bit easier. It won't prompt you for your password. It also has, for example, some quick links to some of the major aspects of the application. So you can, for example, just quickly go and run your PNL. Um, you can also, for example, have multiple tabs open of the same file. But the part that's really just not fun if you are a, um, a QBOA subscriber, well, one of the big things here is that you can switch between your client accounts, right? So you can't use this tool though if you're a QBOA subscriber to access a client unless that client is also utilizing uh, online advanced. So if they're using Plus or Smart uh, or Essentials, this won't work. This this app will only work if you're leveraging the um, if you're leveraging the uh, advanced version of the application. So you can, that's just kind of a gotcha that that frankly I you know always kind of like well I really don't see the point of using this now because if I'm the accountant I'm usually jumping in and out of my my um, my company files. Okay. So why don't we go ahead and we're going to take our afternoon break and then, okay, a question popped up here and this came in from Susie. Does Intuit cost an additional amount? And I think you're asking me here, Susie, is there a separate fee per company for QuickBooks desktop licensing? And feel free to, to fine tune whether or not I'm getting that correct. Okay. And uh, the answer is with respect to the QuickBooks desktop licensing, it is tied to the, there's a subscription and the subscription is not necessarily tied to the QuickBooks working file, the QBW file. It's, it's tied to the actual uh, installation. And then it's also tied to the product licensing and activation for that. So when you run desktop, you can run as many QBW files as you want. There's no limitation there uh, that I'm aware of. And of course that could obviously change. Uh, with QuickBooks Online, though, what you should know is that it is absolutely tied to the company. And if you had a company with five, let's say, children companies, um, subsidiaries, you'd need five licenses and you'd pay for QuickBooks five times versus the desktop or enterprise product. You can pay for one license, have as many people in as you need for the number of licenses that you have up to 25 with the enterprise version, uh, but you're not paying per company. But online, you will pay per company. So hopefully that answers your question. A couple of things I will tell you with respect to your licensing that could be helpful. If you're in the application, if you hit F2, this is going to pop up your product information. This is going to be where you can see, for example, the license, the um, number of licenses you have, the license number, the product number, whether or not it's activated, what your current release is. And it's also going to show you, for example, those targets I was telling you about. So if you're looking to upgrade to... QuickBooks Online, and I told you you need to have under uh, 750,000 targets. This is where you can go ahead and you can see right here, for example, total targets here. This is a sample file, so it's not that large. You can also see like if you're connected over a server, what server, what port, how big uh, the cache is, how many users are logged in. Uh, you can see also other critical information, so how many uh, accounts you have, uh, a number of integrated applications, so on and so forth. Okay, it's gonna be through that F2 menu. And you can also come over here to the help menu and there's another option somewhere in here called manage licensing, boom, here. And this is gonna be where you can go ahead and um, activate additional licenses as needed, okay? So I hope that answers your question there, Susie. And if you have any other ones, by all means, please feel free to ask. Okay, so let's go ahead and continue on. And in our next section, what we're gonna go ahead and talk through here is going to be lists. Okay, so much of QBO and QBD are lists, um, just basically lists and lists of information. And it really, accounting at the end of the day is information. It's about organizing information. But 
your chart of accounts, it's a list. Vendors, it's a list. Customers, it's a list. So understanding essentially how lists run and some of the specific gotchas with it will be really helpful to leveraging this application uh, correctly, okay? And almost all of these lists are going to be accessible from the, you guessed it, the list menu inside the application. You might see more or less lists just depending on what features you have on or off inside the application. Now, the main list that we're all going to have on is going to be the chart of accounts. And from the chart of accounts, this is going to be, for example, we'll manage all aspects of your chart of accounts. If you're using, let's say, classes, you'll have a class list. If you're using locations, you'll have a locations list, so on and so forth. Okay, and then you also have what are called profile lists as well. And inside of this, if you come over here to your lists, you'll see your customer and vendor profile list. This is where you can go ahead and grab, for example, other things related to your customers and vendors, you know, so the specific types of jobs you do. Uh, but when you want to add something, edit something, modify something, this is going to be where you're going to go ahead and do so. Let's talk about the chart of accounts, since it's probably the most important list inside of here. And it provides the accounting system's logical structure for defining which accounts are available for posting of transactions and how those trans transactions themselves, how those transactions themselves are going to be applied to the specific, um, what will be available for you to post into. Okay. All right. So. The first thing you should know is the organization. The first level of organization on this is gonna be the account type. So as you can see here on the right-hand side, you'll see everything is generally organized by account type, uh, your bank accounts, and then it's gonna go kind of in the flow of the financial statement. And then ultimately, if you kind of go down here, it'll go into the flow of the income statement, okay? And then you got these other accounts like estimates and sales orders, those are non-posting accounts, they'll, they'll be at the bottom, okay? Now, um, this particular view itself can be, uh, there's a couple of things that you should know about this specific view. Uh, you can adjust this. So if you want to put this into alpha order, you can go ahead and do so. If you wanna put this into balance order, you go ahead and do so. I will point out though, you will always maintain that type list as being that, that overall priority. Okay. Now, another thing that you should know is that you, what you put into this list will also designate how something is displayed on the financial statement. Okay, um, so let's go ahead and put this into alpha order or type order and then alpha order. And let's say, for example, we wanted to put our savings account above our checking account. What you can do, if you see over here on the right, left-hand side, there's a little diamond looking guy. Okay, and with that little guy, you can go ahead and you can pick these up and you can go ahead and we'll adjust that particular sort order. Okay. Sorry, let me click on the diamond. That's what I needed to do here. Okay, and then I can go ahead and I can put these into whatever order I would like them to be. So let's, for example, and I'm gonna exaggerate this just so you can see the difference. Okay, let's move. We have to stay within the current type, but uh, let's say, for example, we wanna move our inventory asset above our undeposited funds. Okay, when we go to run a balance sheet, Okay, we will see, for example, that that will follow that particular order. Inventory asset is now above that. And likewise, we moved savings above checking. So that diamond order allows you to put stuff into a specific order if you would like to do so. And so that's how you get your financial statement to match the order that you would like it to be. All right, uh, I pointed out this feature before, but let's talk about account numbers. Going over here into edit, 
edit preferences, come up here to accounting, company preferences, and then you got this option here to use account numbers. Personally, I recommend it. If it's limited complexity of accounting system, I recommend a four digit, um, sorry, three digit accounting number. If it's more complex, four and five digits, but I, the fewer the digits, the better. At the very minimum, I would say three digits. Now, what I tend to do with respect to my accounting is, um, I break it out between numbers between one and 999. Uh, in my accounting, for example, the 400 series are always income accounts. The eight, seven and 800 series are always expense accounts. 900 are always exception accounts, extraordinary income, extraordinary expense. Um, liabilities, I think are 300. But I have a standard set of numbering that I do. And so for to me, I mean, accounting numbers are, are really, really helpful. Once that's on, you can come in here and you can edit these accounts or when you set up a new account in the top upper right, this is going to be where you're going to go ahead and set your number. Uh, it will not auto number these and you can absolutely have accounts like this one right here that does not have a number. I would tell you to be very consistent with respect to the work that you're doing. It can also be kind of tedious to try to remember what number you left off the last time. Okay, But the account numbers can be really helpful. Likewise, you can also set up things that are sub accounts and you can create up multiple levels of hierarchy within your accounts. A good example of this is over here is our payroll. So we've got payroll liabilities, that's 24,000. And then we've got 24,000, 10, 20, 30, so on and so forth. And if we click on one of these accounts and select edit, you'll see that this is an account, sub account of payroll liabilities overall. Uh, for myself, if you were to look at my um, system, I actually have all of my expenses as a uh sub account of 800 which is general and administrative expenses and then it goes to 801 802 so on and so forth but they're actually all sub accounts of gna okay now within these particular accounts you have different types these are going to be set you know uh preset you cannot add new account types this is my personal preference and again you can obviously do what you want here this becomes a bigger issue with respect to qbo I try to keep my accounts as simple as possible. And what I mean by this is that I try to just not get into the real specific specialty type of accounts. And I'll show you this here in, in, in a little bit with respect to QBO, where you can set up all these like, you know, really specific. I, I try to keep my accounts as simple as I possibly can, because I just find the administration and overhead uh, of having those really kind of special accounts can be quite tedious to manage. Uh, so I generally try to just have income, uh, bank, um, expense, so on and so forth. Okay. Now, if you want, when you come down here, you can also specify, for example, the tax line mapping. This is going to become effective if you are um, outputting balance sheets or income statements for tax forms. This will attempt to kind of mirror, mirror things up for you. And, you know, if you actually take the time to set it up correctly, and this is where templating of these files, especially between clients, can be really helpful when you output an 1120 uh, income statement. I mean, it technically, you know, should be pretty much ready to go straight to the tax return or a Schedule C if you need to. So those are some of the specifics as it relates to your um, accounts setup. If you wanted to come down here to the account menu, this is going to be where you're going to find all the other options you might need, including things that... Uh, uh, like adding new accounts, uh, showing inactive accounts. You can switch the particular view. So you can go to a flat view instead of showing the hierarchy. Okay. Uh, this is also going to be where you can print this list, find specific transactions, and you can also import directly in from Excel as well. So if you have all of your accounts set up, maybe you're using a different accounting system like Zero, and you want to move to QBO, QBD, 
spit that data out into Excel, clean it up, and then you can map it in and it'll go ahead and create those accounts for you automatically. Okay, now accounts cannot be deleted inside of QBO if they have transactions inside of them. Uh, so if we're inside of an account here and we have no accounts, like there are no transactions inside of it, great, go nuts. You can delete that guy and it will be gone and it will be gone forever. However, the second that you put data into that particular account and you create a transaction for that account, it no longer can be deleted. Uh, let me see if I can find an example here. Okay, so here is, for example, some journal entries that are put into this disability. If we try to go to delete this account, it's basically going to say, don't do that. You can't do that, but you can mark that account as inactive. And if we mark that as account as inactive, what that means is the data will not be there, but it will not be an option to map future transactions into. But if we go run a historical balance sheet, income statement, and that account is there, it will pull through to that account and you still see that popped up, but it'll hopefully limit the need for that account to be present in other applications or sorry, not in other applications, but in, in future accounting needs of the organization. Now, here's a pro tip, something that you can do uh, that I do, and it's like deleting accounts. It ultimately gets you the same purpose of this, and it's actually to merge accounts together. Okay. So let's just say, for example, I got this disability, I got this liability insurance, and you know, I don't want two accounts. I just want to create one account and we'll just call it uh, liability insurance as an example here. Well, one of the things I can do is I can actually, let me just go ahead and make this account active again. Okay, what I can do is I can actually merge these two together and it will delete this other account, but merge all the existing transactions from that existing account into that target account. And all you have to do to do this, and it's not very well documented, is that you just have to call these things the same thing. And so you have to give them the same account number, they have to be of the same account type. So this is account 62110 and it's disability insurance. So we'd come over here and we would come up 621110. And we're gonna go ahead and call it the same thing. Disability insurance, save and close. And it's gonna pop up this thing. It's gonna say, hey, this is already being used. Do you wanna merge them? And for all intents and purposes, it deletes, in this case, the uh, liability insurance accounts and merges everything, all those existing transactions historically too, into that one account. Uh, one more time, do I want to merge them? Yes, there we go. And so now they are merged into one. Okay. And so that now that one account has all of the historical information for both accounts into one place. Okay. So that is how that works. So when I've had a client who's had absolutely screwy stuff, I try to obviously clear out as much as I can. I try to reclassify as much as I possibly can, but uh, if they've created a whole bunch of accounts that just frankly make no sense, the process that I end up taking with this is that I'll ultimately just merge them, merge them, merge them, merge them, merge them until, you know, everything is kind of moved into where I want them to be. And so if they created, a, I had one account, I had one, I mean, this is my go-to story, but I had, I had a, I remember being in public accounting and I had a, uh, a client and um, this person set up an account for, um, you know, I mean, she was a doctor. I mean, she was a great doctor. So there's no criticism here. It's just, you're not an accountant. You don't know any better, but she created a, a chart of account, uh, an account in the chart of accounts for hair, hair appointments, you know? And I was like, you know, like, you know, a couple hundred bucks or something. And I just remember having to merge that into personal expenses to ultimately get it to go away. But that merging is what I've done inside of the, the COA to kind of make, uh, make life a little bit easier.
Okay, so that's your chart of accounts. Uh, that's all the major data you really need to know about it. You can run other things here. You can, you know, access your other major aspects, reconciliation, transfer funds, write checks. You can run your reports. Um, you can do attachments. So if you want to attach stuff to these files, you can go ahead and do that right out of here as well. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about your items list. Okay, here's your items list. Now items list is going to include a lot of stuff, uh, services, inventory, inventory parts, non-chargeable inventory, subtotals, groups, discounts, payments, sales tax items, and more. It's basically the meat of your business. This is gonna be your revenue and, and your, you know, your, your parts. Uh, all of it, you know, so all the different stuff that you that you sell inside your business, your professional services, your your products, your inventory, all of these are going to be handled within here. Um, now, ultimately, it, it comes down to just a couple of different categories with respect to the types of um, items that you can put in. Okay, so you have services, I would really kind of say ultimately comes down to things you do versus things you sell, in my mind. Uh, there's other stuff in here like sales tax items and groups and those certainly have their spots you know but mostly it just comes down to things you sell and things you uh um things you provide and a uh, big stuff you just you really need to know about this is you give it a name you can create hierarchy sub items if it's a service uh, you can put in the rate you know for what that typical service would run uh, you can also put in the uh, where the revenue should go for this. So, for example, floor plans will get mapped into the uh, chart of accounts into, in this case, design income. So that product, which will appear on the income, appear on the invoice, will ultimately make its way to the income statement and that revenue will fall down to design income. OK, now, if it's a product that you sell, for example, an inventory part works exactly the same, except you got a little bit more information. You have your revenue account that it's going to flow to, but then you also have your cost of goods sold account as well. And so uh, this will track when you purchase things, um, you know, the inventory costs. And when you sell things, it will put the revenue to the appropriate place. And this is also where you can set up whether or not things should be taxable, what the standard price should be, what your standard cost should be. And as we talked about before, this is where you can specify your preferred vendor and then other alternative vendors that you might choose to uh, choose to use as well. Um, you can also track, you know, manufacturer part numbers, and then you can pull that information out into custom reports as needed. You have a whole series of custom fields. So if you wanted to create some additional fields, like, you know, tracking this particular color of something or the material, you know, what is mahogany? What is, uh, one is, uh, you know, oak or something like that. You can track and create those additional fields uh, as needed so that you have all the data that you need um, related to, uh, related to your products and inventory and services for that matter. Now, all the things that you set up here, these are going to ultimately end up inside of your invoices. And so when you come on over here and you go to select something like blueprints, it's going to go ahead and, you know, pre-fill this information for you. One quick tip, by the way, when you're going to create an invoice, don't start over here in descriptions. Okay. Because when you come over here, you cannot create an invoice without an item. But the second you create an item, it's going to blow out your description. And that's always really frustrated me, you know, because I, I tend to keep my products and services pretty simple and then I'll customize the description as needed. But always start with the item and then add the description if you're going to override that, because it's going to once you select the item, it's going to include whatever default description you have included in there as well. Now, likewise, you can also adjust these into different orders. So if you want to move these around and have different sort sequences, uh, you can certainly go ahead and do so uh, with this as well.
Okay, now other types of lists that are inside of here too. You know, you've got your fixed assets. This would be your fixed asset registry. So if you wanted to keep track and depreciate your assets, this would be how you would set this up. So for your fixed asset, you give it an asset name, an asset account, your acquisition date, acquisition price, who you bought it from, the other relevant information for this. And then you can use this for your depreciation purposes. Okay. Unit of measures, your UM, your price levels, um, all your payroll stuff, your workers comp stuff, all that stuff is going to be listed here as well. And um, this is also where you can come in and you can uh, adjust your memorized transactions as well as edit uh, the various uh, lists and groups that you've established inside of your, uh, inside of your um, file. So your customer groups, your vendor group, your employees groups, all of those are going to be uh, listed here. So again, what you see listing, what you see with respect to the different lists will depend on how you use the application. So, you know, if you are using inventory, for example, you're going to see inventory stuff. If you're not using inventory, that's not, you're not going to see those inventory accounts as, uh, uh, as being in there. Okay. So it really just depended on how the actual application is uh, being done. Okay. Now you can also customize a couple of the views of this particular um, list as well. Uh, so there's an option in here called customize columns. And from this customized columns list, this is where you can go ahead and you can add additional columns if you want to see. So at the moment we can see whether or not it's active, it's name, whether or not it is selected to be presented in this list. Uh, but we could add other stuff as well. So like maybe the class code, the bank account, the income account, uh, the tax line. Okay. And it will add those other items in so that we can customize it. And that customized list or the, sorry, the, uh, uh, the customization of the columns that are presented in here is present throughout the entire application itself. Okay. Now, one thing you can also do is let's say you wanted to migrate this from one QBD file to another QBD file. And you just want to bring, for example, like, your payroll, uh, not your payroll, your, uh, um, your vendors, you want to bring in your fixed assets, you want to bring in your inventory. Well, one of the cool things you can do with these lists is that you can export them out. Now you can absolutely do that through the report section here. And through the report section here, you can just basically generate a listing of those, uh, generate a listing of those different accounts and it'll kick it out to Excel. And, and that's exactly the way that you probably are mostly familiar with this. And likewise, you could always come down here to the reports section and there's a report and all of these uh, reports. If you come over here to the list section, this is where you could just generate this and, and kick it out uh, uh, to Excel or, or through some other method as well. Okay. But there's also another method. It's called IIF files. Now these IIF files are proprietary. They're actually just really a, a CSV file a comma separated value, although they're not really comma separated, but they're a proprietary uh, Intuit format that you can then use to be able to move data between files pretty easily. And um, what's nice about this is this is how you could, for example, pull data from one file into another, and you can also import in data from other files to another as well. So let's go take a look at how we can generate uh, some of those files. Now, what we're going to end up doing here is we're going to go back into that file menu, into the utilities section, and then we're going to choose to export those files out. So we'll come on up here to file, utilities, 
And then we're going to go ahead and choose export. And this is where we're going to go ahead and be able to export lists. So let's go ahead and just grab maybe our chart of accounts. We could grab a, uh, our customers as well. We could export any of these lists for that matter. Click OK. And we're going to go ahead and just, let's just put these into the downloads directory. Let's just grab one, okay, list to IIF. There we go. All right, and let's go ahead and open up our computer here. Let's go to our downloads directory and you'll see this uh, COA. Now, if you click this, this will open up inside of QuickBooks. You can optionally go ahead and show more options. And you can go ahead and open this inside of Excel as well. And you can actually browse some of the data. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and open this in Notepad just so you can see it. It's essentially just that data. It's not actually CSV format. I'm pretty sure this is tab format, which is an even more antiquated file. But uh, the separation between each of these is actually a tab. And um, this is how you can basically move data from one to the other. And this is the native format, believe it or not, that... that QuickBooks wants to use. So that's how you can get data out of these lists and be able to pull these over to other places. Okay. Let's go ahead and talk for just a minute with respect to QuickBooks Online. Okay, your list inside of QuickBooks Online, come on up here to the gear icon. And from the gear icon, we're going to go ahead and select all lists. Lots fewer lists inside of QBO compared to QBD, QBE. Uh, much, 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 much simpler, okay? And for the most part, I would tell you the big ones that you're gonna be dealing with on a regular basis, chart of accounts, recurring transactions, if you choose to memorize those transactions, and if you choose to uh, leverage that functionality, okay? Your products and services are gonna be your inventory and your services that you sell. And that's pretty much it. Looking at your chart of accounts, okay? Pretty much functionally identical in terms of how it operates. The big difference here is that, uh, let me switch over here to the sample file, is that you're gonna be limited. So uh, in plus and lower, you are going to be limited to 250 and less accounts. So you can't really just go to the end of the world with respect to your account options here. Uh, it's only gonna give you the ability to, in this particular case, use 250. And it loads up about 50 just right off the bat. So, you know, just be aware of that. Now that same principle I showed you about merging accounts together, that works exactly the same inside of here too. If I wanted to merge, um, let's say I wanted to merge my fuel into my automobile expense so I can alleviate and get one more account back up, I can go ahead and do so in the exact same way. I just need to make them look identical. Okay, we'll go ahead and select save. And it'll pop up with this exact same message here. Do you wanna merge these accounts? We'll go ahead and select yes. And it will go ahead and merge them for us. Okay, now a quick word with respect to QBO lists here and with the chart of accounts. Uh, personally, this drives me wild. I cannot stand how they've set this up. Um, you've got your same type of accounts that are listed up here, but then what they also do is that they also specify like different sub account options. And let me go down here to an expense so you can kind of see what I'm seeing. Do you see over here, you got type and then you've got detail type. 
So it's an expense, but then it's another miscellaneous service expense. It's an expense, and then it's a service uh, expense or an insurance expense or something else like this. Um, I just, I really, um, I just don't really like these. And what ends up happening is that you can't really get the sequence of the order and everything that you want. Obviously, do what you want. My personal recommendation is I keep these things as fairly generic as they I can. Again, I use numbers. And then I also use the type. So I'm not saying you can't make income, expenses, banks, so on and so forth. But I just refuse to use this detail type uh, because it's not generally what I want it to be. And it also doesn't present it in the order that I want it to be in. So if you were to go look at the QBO files that I actually have set up on this, everything is set to, for my expenses, an example, is set to Office and GNA. Okay. And that just allows me to have a lot more control over the sort and presentation sequence at the balance sheet level. The only thing I can think of with respect to this is the fact that they have, um, they've made this tool less for professionals and more for consumers. And this is one less thing to, uh, to, um, to be able to organize. Okay. So that's just my preference. A little quick tip for me. Um, so hopefully that, that helps you as well. Uh, same type of thing with respect to uh, QBO. You can't delete stuff if there's data already in it. It's actually a little bit more egregious than that. Um, if you create the account to begin with, you can't delete it. So there is really no delete functionality inside of QB, QBO. So I would tell you that um, that uh, be careful, be a little bit more thoughtful with respect to how you get data inside of this application because uh, there's a good chance you're going to be married to it the second you uh, you put that data in. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code one free podcast at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.